I'm Armand. I'll be delivering the message today. The last time I was here was uh, the first Sunday of last month. And uh, in my message, I kind of mentioned how my mother was in the hospital. So for those of you who may still not know, well, she went to be with the Lord. And we celebrated her funeral service last Tuesday. So I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you for all of you who are with, with your prayers, your sympathy, and that time that you spent with us in, in, our, uh, in, in the funeral service. On behalf of my dad and my sister, thank you for, for sharing with us in our times of sadness. Amen? It, it so happened that in one of the days that the newspaper posted a, the announcement for my mom, there was also another posting on the same page. Uh, of one of our church members. So not to spoil it, let me just read it. Young leader, Isabella B. Olibario, an 8th grade student at LP Untalan Middle School, has been selected to be a representative of the Untalan Wildcats at the Junior National Young Leaders Conference being held in Washington, D.C. until July 1. Isabella Olibario was nominated based on academic and leadership achievement. The Junior NYLC program is designed to educate, inspire, and motivate students by giving them the confidence and leadership skills that will take them through high school, college, and beyond. Isabella Olivario is the daughter of proud parents, my good friends, Efren and Carrie Olivario, residents of Derido. Congratulations, my friend. I have to insert that word, good friends, a good friend, because I get my haircut from Efren. So how I look on the stage is all because of him. Amen. Thank you. Yes, so the Bible tells us that we mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And that really is the church life. That is how the church functions. When people are mourning and when they're sad and they're going through uh, tough times, we're there for them. And when, when and it's a praise report like what Pastor Mark uh, just shared and it's, a, and it's a wow moment, we also rejoice with them. Amen? Isn't that great? Which brings us to week three, Life Together. That's exactly how life is done together. We have been going through the series in, uh, in the book of Ephesians, instruction from the Apostle Paul regarding how to do life together. So let me just refresh, uh, refresh us. So in week one, it was about wives and husbands. So coming from chapter 5, verse 22, uh, it, it talks about how wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then the instruction to the husband was, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And then last week, it was for the children and the parents. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then, it, and then for the father, it was, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So today, we're going to go to bondservants and masters. So let's just go ahead and read. Chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 5. It reads, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he's a slave or free. And then verse 9 is addressed to the master. And you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master 
also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that as a church we can do life together. And I just pray, Father, that as we look into your word today, that you would allow us to see what you have that, uh, that you're doing in our lives. Open our eyes to see it. Open our ears to hear the, your voice and what you're instructing us to do. And open our hearts so that we can understand it, that we can embrace it, that, that faith might arise within us. So, Lord, have your way this morning with your word. I pray, Father, that, Lord, it would do exactly what you have purposed it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So it begins, chapter, or verse 5 begins with one word, says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your master. Today, that may not be a word that we probably even use. It might even be so foreign to us. But just because it may not be used today, yes, it's, it's, it may not be applicable, but the, but the principle behind it is still the same. We might not be called bond servants today, but we are called employees, laborers, workers, and you don't call, we don't call them masters anymore, but we call them uh, either your leaders, your supervisors, your, your managers, your CEO, your uh, business owners. That's it. It's, it's still the same principle. The language may have changed. So putting, that in, uh, putting those words in, the, in, in Paul's word, it could read like this. Employees, be obedient to those who are your bosses. Employees, be obedient to those who are your, to those who are your managers. That's what it's saying. So it says, uh, uh, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, meaning your earthly bosses. It says, with fear and trembling, with respect. That's what it's saying. It says, uh, in sincerity of heart as to Christ. And then it's, in verse 6, it says, not with eye service. You probably know what this means already. And, you, and hopefully, you're, we're, we're not the one who does this. It's the other guy at our work. Eye service is to give a service when your boss is looking at you. When, when he's behind you and checking you out, that's when you put out your best effort. You put 110% when your boss is looking. But the moment your boss walks away, you just go back and say, eh, eh. Right? Oh, okay. I guess you know what that means. <laughs> so, uh, and then it says, not as man pleasers. We're not, uh, so Paul instructs us not to please men. But rather it says, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. And verse 7, it says, with good will doing service, meaning with a good attitude, not complaining. Right? Very real, right? We know this. <laughs> we know this. I know this. I, I, I'm an employee myself. I know what this means, okay? It says, knowing, and then verse 8 gives us a promise that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. We get our reward from God. Amen? And then in verse 9, it says, and masters do the same things to them. Meaning, uh, if, you're a, if you're a supervisor or you're a business owner, the way that your employee is, meaning uh, with, with respect to you and to the job, with sincerity of heart, with a good attitude, and without complaining, do the same to them. Res uh, give the same respect to them. Equal obligation, equal up, uh, equality. Okay? It says giving up threatening, knowing that your own master, that you yourself has a master. 
both of you, whether you're an employee or employer, you both have a master who is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Simple, right? Simple instruction. Uh, uh, yes, it looks simple, but I want to uh, get your attention and focus on verse 6, the highlighted one. It says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. This is what Paul instructs us. That when we do all of this towards our managers, our employers, the business owner that we get our income from, it says, uh, do it with a service as a bond servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Notice in verse 4 or verse 5, Paul was already addressing bond servants with, with earthly master. But then he brings it up a notch and saying, don't just do it as a bond servant of men but do it as a bond servant of Christ. Amen? See that? So what does that mean? What does Paul mean? Is, is that word uh, an it word back then that just Paul just said, uh, just that Paul said it? Well, no, because Paul himself identifies himself as a bond servant. So it was not something that Paul just made up or made up word and Paul in, included it in his instruction, but it was something that Paul himself was walking in. So uh, the next slide will show you this. It's in, in Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, this is a typical uh, address or uh, greetings that Paul would do. It says in 1.1 1, 1 of Romans when he wrote the letter, this is how Paul ad uh, identified himself. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. When he wrote the book of Philippians, he said the same thing. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ. Peter himself, the Apostle Peter. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. James and Jude, the same thing. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jay and Jude, also the same thing. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. So all these apostles understand what a bondservant is, and they have identified themselves as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus himself has identified himself as a bond servant. Philippians 2, chapter 5, verse uh, 2, verse 5, please. So in, uh, in the letter, um, this is what it says in uh, verse 5. Let this, uh, let, let, this bind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being the form of a God, did not consider it a loss to be equal with God, but he made himself... Of no, reputation, of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Jesus was not a bondservant. He was the Son of God. But yet it says right there, he took the form of a bondservant. Amazing, right? So question is, if Paul instructs us to be a bondservant of Christ when we, when we relate to our empl employer, so what does it mean to be a bondservant of Christ? Amen? So let's look. So what is it? What is a bondservant of Christ? So for us to understand this, let me take you back to the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, Moses gives an instruction. Really, God is the one that gave the instruction, not Moses. But let's read. In chapter 15, verse 12, talks about this. If your brother, meaning if your own countryman, so Moses is talking to the Israelites that is about to go into the promised land. If your brother or if your countryman, a Hebrew man 
or a Hebrew woman is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. God promised in the same chapter, says that there shall be no poor among you. That was God's intention for Israel, that there should be no poor among them. So if they find themselves in trouble, out of their own, whatever it is that they've done, and they become poor, they would actually sell themselves for service. That's what it is. So if, if your brother sells himself and serves you six years, but God never intended them to be a servant forever, because here's the law. It says, he shall serve you six years, and on the seventh year, you shall let him go free. So if, you, so if you were a Hebrew back in the days and you find yourself being poor and you got nothing, you can sell yourself as a servant. And if you can just work for six years, it says that on the seventh year, you will be set free. And then in verse 13, it says, And when you send him away, the master, uh, and when you send him away from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your plock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press, from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, and you shall give to him. Isn't that amazing? You serve out after six years, and the seventh year you are in the seventh year you go free, and then your master gives you all this so that you could start your life all over again. That was God's intention. God's intention for the servant was never to be permanent. They were to be released on the seventh year, and then when they are released, they can have a new start, a new beginning. They can start their life all over again. And then in um, verse 15, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. That last verse, verse 15, has a parallel truth about us today. You know, as bad as human slavery is, and Pastor Mark uh, mentioned earlier, as we uh, celebrate 4th of July, we have the freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Is that the same? Freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to assemble. But the greatest freedom that we can really have is the freedom from sin. That is the greatest freedom that we could ever have. And that's why uh, down, down on that announcement it says, whom the Son has set free is free Indeed, the greatest form of slavery, which is far worse than human slavery, is a slavery to sin. When you are a slave to sin, you don't even know it, but you are being dominated by sin. All your action leads to the consequences of sin. And that's why this verse here has a parallel truth about it who was God who redeemed them when they were a slave in Egypt. And how? How did God redeem Israel when they were in Egypt? by his mighty hand, and of course, by the death of the firstborn, and by the blood of the Lamb. Church today, it's the same way for us. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it was because you have received the death of his son, the firstborn, and because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is what sets you free from the slavery of sin. And that's why in Romans, it says this. Go ahead. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That was Jesus did for us. For he who, was, for he who has died has been freed from sin. The word redeem 
that we just looked at in verse 15 is the word to buy out. It, and it is a reference to really buying out a slave from the marketplace. Another way for the Hebrew slave to get out of his uh, service or his or her service is that if there's any other relative that can come and buy him out. And that's why in the book of uh, Ruth, Boaz, his, our heavenly Jesus, was the one who is considered or known as the kinsman, kins, kinsman's redeemer. He was the one that redeemed us. Amen? So, so going back, so six years, going back to the Hebrew servant. So now it says that after six years, you have to release your servant. So you now have a free servant. Amen? Free. You're free. Just like us, we are now free in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. There's no condemnation on us. There's, we, don't, we don't need to fear death. Because why? The consequences of sin has already been taken care of. We've been redeemed. So now you have a priest servant. Now the next, uh, next verse, please. So this is the making of a bond servant. It begins with a pre-man or a pre-woman. Now when you release that servant, and then they say this, and it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house since he prosper with you. Then you shall take an all and trust it to, uh, through his ear to the door, and he shall be your servant forever. That is the making of a bond servant. A pre-person who's been given a chance to start life all over again goes back to his master and said, No, I don't want to be free. I would rather be a servant under you forever. That's what a bond servant is declaring right there. That's, that's what this verse is declaring. The person that has been set free goes back, to his, goes back and says, I don't want to go. I have prospered with you. I love you and I love your household. I would rather be a servant under you forever than, than a free man. That is what Paul was saying or declaring or identifying himself when he said, I am a bond servant of Christ. I was freed by Christ, but I would rather serve him forever. Amen? That's what he's saying. That's what it means to be a bond servant. And notice how it says that, uh, uh, the, so the event, the, the event that needs to happen is that when the, the free servant is let go and he declares that I'd rather be a servant forever under my master, they need to take him to the, uh, to the elders or the council. And what they would do is, verse uh, 17, is they will take his ear or her ear and they would put it against the door or the doorpost, and they will take an awl. An awl is a device which you use, uh, pretty much the same, uh, the same device that you use to make a hole on your belt. So it's a sharp device, and they would trust it on his ear. So now you have, now you have a, a person with an open ear walking around, which is the mark of the bondservant. His ears has been pierced to signify that I would rather be a bond servant than a free man. And it, it, and it is the ultimate commitment because you are now free. You're free to go. You have uh, uh, things uh, your master has given you freely and you can start your life all over again, but yet a bond servant would rather be a servant under his master. So this is the commitment that he makes. So go ahead, next verse. So when the, the bond servant decides this, this is the commitment that he makes. A commitment out of love. That's what, he's, that's what it is. 
It is not something because he feels like, oh, this is a good thing. No, it is because out of his love for his master and his household that he's making this commitment. It is voluntary. He is a free man or a free woman, but yet he chooses. It's a choice. It is a permanent commitment. Why? Because it is, he's going to be there forever until his master's death, until his death, basically. And then it is a total commitment. That's why it says that doing the will of his master. He gives up his certain privileges and rights, and now he, he, is rely, he relies totally upon what the master will give and do for him. Amen? So going back to verse 6 of uh, Ephesians, as we end, so it says, not with eye service as man pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. That was the instruction that Paul tells us that if we are employees, that we should give service to our employers as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. It, is, it goes far deeper and greater than just us being employees, but really it is about us being a bond servant of Christ. So how does that look like today? Well, it looks like this. It begins with a commitment to give the Lord the best of your time. What do you do when you first wake up in the morning? Right? That, that determines, sometimes that determines what, uh, how, how you give your time. So it begins with that. Your commitment to give the Lord the best of your time. And it will work out practically in every area of your life. It does not mean that we should all quit our jobs, quit our career, and then go into full-time ministry. No, there are those who are called for full-time ministry. But rather, stay put. Stay where you are. Okay? It is a matter of putting Christ first. Putting Him first in everything. Making Him the center of everything so that your family, your job, and everything else in your life will revolve around Christ. That's what it means. So it means that Christ becomes the focus of our thoughts and we spend time in His presence. How? Through Bible reading, through prayer, through worship, through things that we do through the church. That's, the way, uh, that's how we spend time in His presence. And then through hearing His voice. And when we hear His voice, hopefully we would follow His leading. So that's what it means. It means that that all our self-made plans, all our self-made dreams, all our self-made ambitions, or all our self-made desires are to be abandoned, and the concern and the burden of the Lord become supreme, and it takes first place. It sounds scary, but I want to bring you back to that one word. It says that, I want to go back to my master. I love him. I love his household because I have prospered with him. It's scary when you don't know the, the Lord. It's scary when you think that God is going to take everything from you. But the greatest satisfaction that you can ever have in this life is really to know God and to really submit everything that you have. God has placed in our heart eternity, and that's why I was talking to a brother yesterday, and I was sharing with him that God, in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that God has set eternity in our hearts. So that means that the desires that God has placed in our hearts are eternal bound. 
They are not just earthly bound, they're eternal bound. And as long as that desire is there, it needs to be fulfilled by eternal purposes, eternal desires also. And, the, and if you are not filling it up with eternal purpose and eternal uh, dreams, then you would always long to fill it with something else. And that's why the greatest satisfaction that we can ever have in this life is when we take those desires that, that came from God and fulfill it with what He has given to us. To obey Him, to follow Him, and to walk in the path that He has given to us. Amen? And one of the paths that He has given to us is this, to submit our life as bondservants of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. So the first thing that the bondservant will have to do is declare among the council that I would rather be a bondservant rather be than a free man. And I want to take this opportunity today. You're free. It's another step to take this commitment to be a bondservant of Christ. And just like what I said earlier, it doesn't mean that you quit your job. It doesn't mean that you quit your career. But it does mean that He takes the best of our time. And you're already free. But perhaps you've never heard this. You've never seen it that way. So today I want to make this. If you're here today and that's, that's ringing in your heart. Lord, I'm sorry. I, have, I, I know I have not done that. I want to take this time and this opportunity. Just that we can pray that prayer. That we can uh, take a moment to repent. And just really declare once again that Lord, we would rather commit our lives to you than to be free. So if that's you today, just place your hand in your heart and I just want to pray for all of us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the greatest example of a bondservant has always been Jesus and Jesus first. So Lord, right now, you know my heart. You know the things that's going on in my heart. And Father, I just pray and I just repent, Father, for the things that I have made you to be this relationship that we have. And Lord, right now, just as we have read that I make this declaration and I make this commitment out of love, voluntarily, permanently, and totally, that I will make you the Lord of my life and I will make myself a bondservant of you. Lord, have your way in my life. Thank you that I can trust you. I can rely on you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Are you blessed, church? Let's just go ahead and pray one more time for, uh, uh, for the week. Father, thank you for today. And I pray, Father, as we leave, I pray that you would bless us, protect us, have your way in our life. And, uh, and as we come back again uh, next week, I pray, Father, that, Lord, we would all come back with joy and praise in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed, church. And I'm rising up with you, rising up with you, rising up with you, rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with you, rising up, rising up with you. Just
Elevated, cause you make me move And I'm rising up with you 